prophecy is not speaking only information or knowledge about somebody. Prophecy is speaking what God says. It's that simple. People think when you want to prophesy, I need to get this information. I can't see this. The, we tr people trying to be grade 12 when they're not touching grade one. When the spirit of prophecy is in a place, it's so simple. You just say what you hear God say. It's not about trying to be so accurate, so deep. God will take you there as you qualify and as you graduate. Stuff will begin to come. But a prophet's responsibility is just to speak a word, just to speak, hear what God is saying, speak that, that usually happens in the spirit of prophecy, the atmosphere of prophecy. So people don't understand the basics of the prophetic, yet they wanna judge prophets, they wanna judge ministers, they wanna judge people in the office. Crowds are dangerous, guys. We have a high value for the prophetic, as I have said, and we, um, I teach every now in a prophetic 101 equip class. And uh, if you've gone through this class and you've gotten an invitation to be further equipped or to participate in a group of us who just get together and we just practice prophesying. We just have a lot of fun practicing the prophetic. And guess what? Sometimes we get it wrong. I know, I know. And that does not make people a false prophet. I want you to ask Holy Spirit to give you a word for someone. It can be a single word, a sentence, a scripture, a picture that you're seeing. Just ask him for a word. If you're not hearing one, make one up. You think I'm joking, but I'm not. If you have the mind of Christ, then he can work through your mind and your thoughts line up with his thoughts. Uh, Chris Felton, one, uh, one of my favorite stories of, uh, of Chris's, he was sitting across the uh, table from ha having a meal. He and his wife, Kathy, were having a meal with some good friends of ours. And they had been married for, I don't know, I think 16 years, something like that. They were, wanted to have children, they never could. It was, it was actually impossible for them to have children, they finally found out. And the Lord spoke to Chris and said, tell them they'll have a child by this time next year. Well, that <laughs> tends to make one nervous. <laughs> you know, you know how, how about if I go to my prayer closet and pray for that to happen, right? You know? and, and he's really sweating bullets, you know, uh, uh, getting to the place where he would be willing to say that. And, and he said, Lord, he said, That's, I, I can't do that. And the Lord spoke to him and said, if you don't say it, it won't happen. And there are things that won't happen without your decree. They, they won't happen just because you wish for it. They won't happen even just because you prayed for it. Because again, what we talked about last night, sometimes God would rather do something through you than for you. Sometimes we pray as our escape from responsibility. So, yeah, it's the truth. Sometimes we pray as an escape from our responsibility because then the absence of an answer, I can blame on the sovereignty of God. So he did. He leaned over the table. He said, by this time next year, you'll have a child. And they did. Within the next year, they had a child. It was impossible. I should probably add this. When you get it wrong, don't quit. Clean up your mess and try again. This may sound strange to you, but in our school of ministry, our students are actually required to get it wrong. If they don't fail at least three times in the first year, we won't let them in the third, second year. Why? 
if you're not willing to take risk to the point where you get it wrong, you probably won't get it right in the way you need to. But secondly, we want you to get it wrong in a loving environment so you know how to clean up your mess. It's been a while since I've just done a prophetic flow. So that's what I'm gonna do for the next few minutes. I won't be on long, but I do feel that there's just a release in the atmosphere right now. Catch what I'm saying by way of the Spirit. Some of you will not understand. Those that have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. For those that have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. There is an alarm ringing. There is a wake-up call that has been going on for a while. And it is in the Lord's mercy that he's allowed the call and the alarm to continue to sound. There is an unrolling and a breaking open of the scrolls of heaven where God is releasing to us. He is releasing to the church. He is releasing to his remnant. He is releasing to the ones that are listening. Strategies, insights. He is saying, come up here and I will show you things which must happen after this. You are going to begin to see the things which must happen after this. But the only way that you're going to be able to see and hear the things that must happen after this, which the Lord will let you know, you're going to only be able to see that when you answer the call to come up hither. This is not a word for the low level. This is a word that you are going to get in the higher dimensions and the higher realms of God. What do I mean by that? That means this is not going to hit the lukewarm. This is not going to hit the mundane, the just going about their business, not really pressing in the things of God. One with a Christian badge, but no Christ-like following in the heart. You're going to have to come up from that place. You're going to have to come up from churchy. I can't even take time to explain that one. You're going to catch that one by the realm of the spirit. There are scrolls that are being unrolled. There are seals that are being popped, snapped, and broken open. And for those that are positioned right now, those that are positioned rightly in Christ, in the righteousness and the holiness and the abiding place of Yahweh, of Yeshua, you will hear what God is releasing. Those who have their ears turned to worldly things, those that have their eyes on the distractions of this life, they will miss what God is releasing. The Lord is saying, should something else have to come and catch you off guard? Like COVID caught you off guard? Or will you put your ear up to heaven and see the things which must happen after this? Swishing sounds known as tinnitus. Let me know if the music is okay. I don't want to hear from the people that get irritated with music. I want to hear from the people that I trust your actual input. For those that are ready, for those that don't want a fluffy word, get ready for God to release his secret counsel. The secret counsel 
He's inviting us into that, right? I released that the other day in class. And this is the word of the Lord that I heard. I heard. Winds of God come now. Winds of God come now. And the waves of God come now to pull us into the deep. Every wave, every crashing of the waves is a new revelation and a new crashing and a new wave of your presence and waves of your glory and the revealing, the revealing, the revealing of your nature. We get to see a different facet of you each wave. The waves of presence coming, crashing over us. Yesterday's uh, experience isn't enough to get us through. We must be yearning, longing. My soul longs for the Lord. The mind of God is being revealed right now. The mind of God is being revealed right now. The time of the Christ reveal is upon us. For even as John wrote the book of Revelation, which is the revelation of the Christ. So is that same revealing upon my chosen one, says the Lord, upon my remnant, upon my bride. We can truly see him and see him rightly for who he is and in that revealing when we see him rightly he's going to reveal what we're supposed to be doing and who we are in the realm of the spirit you'll know exactly what your assignment is you'll know exactly what your calling is the days of confusion and contemplating what's what in your life those days will be over for God is not the author of confusion. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the finisher is coming to refine you and perfect you in him. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you just put in the comments, I'm ready. Well, today's topic deals with the belief of prophecy actually being errant. And that there can be false prophecy today. Now, those in this movement will not say that they're false prophets. They'll say they're wrong prophets. I've heard others say that, or that you're practicing prophesying is what you heard. But is that what Scripture actually tells us? Does Scripture say that we can have errant prophecy today? Uh, are we supposed to listen to people when they say, God told me? What are we supposed to make of, of what's being taught today in the modern prophetic movement, the charismatic, hyper-charismatic movement, the new apostolic reformation? How are we to make sense of all this? And what happens when we do test it and judge it and we say that it's not from God and then we're told that we're religious? So we're going to look at some of this today, and I'm going to give you some thoughts as always, and I'm going to look at a recent uh, conversation that was had on Charisma about false prophets and even calling out some names, and I, I want to touch on some things there, even share some personal insight with you, and um, really want to uh, stress the importance of Scripture and the authority of God speaking. So I hope that you find this episode helpful today as we look at these teachings and we see what the Word of God has to say on the matter. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe.
So the first four clips that we just heard, I want to briefly sum those up and then dive right into the interview or the discussion between Steve Strang and Mario Murillo that took place two weeks ago. So let me go to the first clip. The first person you heard was Leon Dupree. Now, Leon Dupree is a self-professing prophet that's in South Africa. He is affiliated with the Demon Slayers. He uh, espouses some teachings that have brought some raised some that have raised some eyebrows and caused some questions in times past. We'll just leave it at that. Maybe I'll cover him in another time. But at any rate, you heard him in this short that was taken off of his own YouTube channel. I did not take him out of context. This is what was on his YouTube channel. And he was basically talking about prophecy and when you prophesy that you are speaking on behalf of God. And that's what many of us that have been in this movement are affiliated with or we even understand that from Scripture, from the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets. They were speaking on behalf of God, like the mouthpiece of God, if you will. But Leon seems to take issue with the crowds that are judging uh, prophecy, that the crowds are dangerous. There's the senior pastor at Bethel Austin that ministered in July of 2021. The original video is no longer available, but you can see this on other YouTube channels where she is telling people that uh, she likes to practice prophesying and she encourages it and that uh, she even encourages people that just because they miss it or make an error doesn't mean that they're false prophets. She also goes on to encourage people there as they're seeking a word from God if they don't hear one to make it up. I wish I was making that up, but I'm not. You heard it with your own ears. The third clip you heard was Bill Johnson. This was at a uh, service that he was ministering at three months ago about the power of the you speaking words, and this was at James River Church. And in that, he was um, emphasizing to people that the importance of them speaking out what God wants done, that God needs us in order for it to be done. And you heard him share the testimony or that story from Chris Vallotton years ago, ministering to people that were infertile and that uh, God allegedly told him to tell them that uh, that by that time next year that they would have a child. Chris didn't want to do it. And uh, because of the, the natural issues going on, and allegedly God told him if he didn't speak it out loud, it would not happen. And uh, you also heard some of the things that Bill Johnson was saying as well about, you know, if we pray that that is a, an easy way for us to basically blame the sovereignty of God when we don't get what we want. But there's things in our life that we will not see come to pass unless we speak them out. A chapter and verse for that <laughs> is the, the question that I would have for that one. And then the last one you heard was a longer clip. This was from Jenny Weaver. She had shared this two weeks ago on her YouTube channel, and it was titled An Urgent Word of the Lord. And you heard her use this type of verbiage, that it was a word of the Lord, that God said, the Lord said. She even borrowed some of the language from the book of Revelation, as you heard, and the, the come up higher. I've heard that on more than one occasion. I've said that myself on more than one occasion when I was in this movement, and uh, just borrowing from that and, and using some of the language, the scrolls and popping open the seals. And I would just encourage you to do some studying on the book of Revelation <laughs> uh, to see what the seals were. And so aside from that, uh, I wanted to talk about this subject today because prophecy is something that is highly valued and desired. Uh, of, of people that they want to hear the voice of God for themselves. They want to believe they're hearing the voice of God for themselves. They want to speak on behalf of God. And there are concerns with that. There seems to be a gradient, if you will, that some people will, will think is a gradient. But when it's false prophecy, false prophecy is false prophecy. 
no matter how outrageous it is and and how um, absurd that it is. This recent conversation took place between Steve Strang and Mario Murillo uh, in discussing and even calling out names of false prophets. And I, I just found this interesting, and though I appreciated them doing this, uh, because you don't see this done a whole lot in the name of the charismatic movement, I still had questions, even after listening to that video. And I'm going to express some of those questions and some of the thoughts as we go along. Um, and, and some of them have to deal with me personally because of things that um, I was affiliated with with Charisma. At any rate, let's go ahead and listen to some of this discussion between Steve Strang and Mario Murillo. And you're going to hear some names be called out by them, which again, I appreciate. You're going to hear some of the concerns that they have with that. And I'll, I'll interject as we go. And let me just say before, before I turn it over to Mario that... I've been dealing with this for a long time. You know, we're Pentecostals. We believe that the gift of prophecy is something that's come. And we'll probably talk about the difference between Old Testament prophets and new prophet, New Testament. And the New Testament says we need to test all things. And that's what we're doing. And prophets don't always get it right. And, I, and when I've written about this, I say this, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, which I read today, uh, it says, now we see through a glass darkly. And I think that that explains some prophetic voices. Sometimes we don't see it all. Now, I want to pose a question from what he just said, because we're seeing this recurrent theme over and over and over again, is that prophets don't always get it right. And they're not talking in the sense, it seems, that uh, prophets as a human being in their day-to-day -day life, when they're not speaking on behalf of God, which that's a given. We are all fallible human beings when it comes down to that level. And we are going to sin, and we are going to make mistakes and errors, and we are going to be wrong about things. That is not the same as when you claim that you are speaking on behalf of God and God told you something. That's much different. There is this recurring theme that you'll hear in this movement. Well, prophets can be wrong today, and, and a wrong prophet is not a false prophet. And I would just say, well, what does Scripture have to say on that? Because when we go to Scripture and we see the true prophets of God versus the false prophets— there is a distinction there, and one of them is, is that when you speak on behalf of God, God is not fallible. He is not in error ever, and so we can't, I, my argument would be, you're not, we're not calling people that call themselves prophets to be perfect as far as in everything, in their humanity, and every, it's when they claim to speak on behalf of God. That, and there's the, there's the issue right there. And I think that there is a severe lack of reverence, and there's very much um, a self-man-exalting and very much pride in this movement. And they want to say, well, I can, I can make mistakes because I'm a prophet, but then when you question them, well, don't you dare. Touch not God's anointed. Don't you know that you're not supposed to do that? How dare you question the man or woman of God? There, it's just so, it's so double-minded in, in this when you're talking about this, and then that there's the the room for error. And as someone who believed that, and now realizing that the own my own error that I was in, my own sin and error, I just find that uh, reprehensible to even hear something like that. So I wanted to interject that, but let, let's keep on going. 
you know, there's all kinds of prophets prophesying who knows what. Most of them are so insignificant. They're prophesying in some church in the in the hills somewhere and handling snakes or who knows what. I mean, I'm using hyperbole a little bit. Uh, and we can't go after every single person. And with Charisma Magazine, we have, in fact, I could tell stories if we have time, of where we've dealt with some things. Now, Steve Strang is going to go on to talk about how they dealt with an issue regarding racism uh, back in the 90s between Fred Price and Kenneth Hagan, and that they lost advertising because of it, and that the issues they dealt with um, and, and again, I, I appreciate that they're wanting to broach this subject and to address the what it seems to be extreme false prophecy. Uh, but again, I'm going to have some th- thoughts to interject on this as far as even Charisma is concerned with, with the things they allow to even be on their site and call it prophecy. At any rate, as, as always, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but just wanted to interject there so you can kind of know where they're going. I'm going to skip over that. And get to the point where Mario Murillo now begins to share why he's concerned as a soul winner. And he is stating that he has had losses, suffered losses through his ministry from speaking out and actually calling out names of these false prophets and the things that they're saying. And so let's hear what Mario has to say about this. That I'm speaking out. Number one is that the Bible says it's the duty of every Christian leader to beware of wolves and who do not spare the sheep. If we're not willing to protect the sheep from danger, and it is dangerous, in some instances, these false prophets have inferred that you get a second chance after you die. They're trying to ally the the fear and the guilt that they've had a son that died as a drug addict. Well, that, that relates right back to medieval Catholicism where you could buy indulgences or, or push someone into purgatory through a gift to the church. 715, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but are inwardly ravenous wolves, and they can be identified. And secondly, in 2 Timothy uh, 2.17, it not only says to they that their teaching will spread like gangrene. We got to stop the gangrene. There is it's possible for a teaching to absolutely infect the body of Christ with gangrene. So the second reason that I'm speaking out is not just that to protect the sheep, but I'm a soul winner. I'm doing this as a heartbroken evangelist. Uh, I want to win the lost, and I don't want them to think that we are all crazy. You're right. And it's not just the unbelievers, but there are a lot of sincere evangelicals who go, you know, who have a somewhat different theology. who look at us and don't think that the gifts are for today, for example, and they will cite some of these weird examples as a reason they don't want to embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I've been living with this for years and years and years. And, but more than that, people are deceived. Now I want to express again that I appreciate uh, Strang and Murillo being willing to say something and to express concerns about people's salvation, about people being led astray and people being deceived. There's truth to what they're saying. At the same time, I can't help but to wonder uh, why there is such a a great divide (laughs) between those that believe these things and don't believe these things. And we're not talking about simply being a cessationist versus versus a continuationist. 
this goes far beyond even that. That's even a secondary issue. This goes to the point of people being, uh, people believing modern day apostles and prophets exist today with governing authority, such as in the New Apostolic Reformation, which I have talked about, others have talked about, that this is a movement and it is not a conspiracy theory or a card-carrying movement or anything like that. But it goes beyond that, and they're they're making it seem like that there's people that think they're crazy just because of the gifts. That's not the case. And I've heard other people say, as far as the, the belief of even being hyper-charismatic in the New Apostolic Reformation, I would dare say that that, is, that makes up more of the movement than even just someone saying that they're a charismatic. That seems to be more... Um, the fringe belief, it seems that the mainstream beliefs uh, when you deal with charismaticism are starting to, are, are continuously leaning more towards hyper-charismatic New Apostolic Reformation. Peter Wagner even talked about that the NAR was the, the fastest growing movement in, in Christianity. It was next to, to Islam that it was rapidly growing so quickly. So it's not just a matter of having a secondary issue between do the gifts today, do the gifts exist today, or do they not exist today? It's beyond that. You're talking about people, and they're they're going to be talking about people, and I'm not going to play the sound bites of, of them in the individuals they talk about. I will tell you, it's Kat Kerr, it's Robin Bullock, and it's Julie Green, because all three of them are problematic, and they've all said things that did not come to pass, or they've they've way overstepped their bounds. They've said things that were extremely unbiblical, extremely irreverent, extremely um, against the the um, sound biblical teaching of Scripture. I've listened to their teachings. Uh, Julie Green has prophesied that that certain people were going to die at a certain time. It did not come to pass. That's false prophecy. There's no way to get around that. When you say something and you say that someone is going to die or something's going to happen at a certain time and it does not, then you're a false prophet and you should not be listened to and you should not be feared. You should not have any sort of, of of standing whatsoever to be able to have the authority to speak and to claim that authority in the name of God. That you should not. That that there should be that should be the end of the discussion right there. So I do appreciate these two men saying something. I don't want to discredit that. But we will listen to a little bit more of what they have to say right after this short break. I think what you're saying is very important. There are other things at play, and of course we have a relatively short time to deal with some pretty big issues. There is an aspect of holding ourselves accountable and what we will tolerate or not tolerate. There are some things in the body of Christ that we just won't tolerate. We just won't. Uh, but yet, as you're just saying, we do tolerate these kinds of things. And really, a prophet who says that someone's going to die by a certain date needs to understand that if that doesn't happen, they were wrong. And there are some people that would say, let's stone them like the Old Testament prophets. Now, I personally believe that in the Old Testament, the prophets spoke for God. They were oracles of God, thus saith the Lord. In the New Testament, there's a gift of prophecy that really all of us who are spirit-filled can operate in right. to, to speak what we think the Lord is, is saying. 
Okay, so a, a couple of things here. I want to stop there for just a minute, and I really want to dive into this and discuss this. For one thing, he mentioned about that the gift of prophecy today, which I there's no way for me to cover in this episode, and I've talked about it in other episodes, so um, I'll be happy to provide those links to give y'all some things to consider with that. But he mentioned about the, the current belief today among those that believe in the continuous the, the, in in the gifts today that there is a gift of prophecy, and it is based on what you believe God is saying to you. I want to ask, does Scripture actually say that? Is that what the gift of prophecy is, is us saying what we believe or what we think God is saying to us? Because that leaves room for ambiguity, and God's not ambiguous. He's pretty clear when He's spoken through His Word, the Word that He has left us that we know is the more sure word of prophecy, which prophecy always points back to Christ. Prophecy is glorifying God and pointing back to Christ. There's that that right there when He made that comment. I'm thinking in my mind, like, that really leaves room for ambiguity. The other thing, too, is this, um, this kind of straw man argument that, well, you know, if you're saying that there's false prophets today, then you want them to be stoned like the ones in the Old Testament. I don't know of anybody that's saying that. If anything, we're calling people to repent. Just because we're calling people to repent of being a false prophet does not mean that we're calling for them to be stoned to death. There's actually, we're, we're in the dispensation of grace. And part of that grace right now with those that are falsely prophesying and they're ascribing things to God that he did not say, which I would also disagree with Steve Strang. Talked about Agabus before in an older episode, and I'll have the link for that in the description. But Agabus is used uh, quite often in this movement to basically say, well, Agabus missed it. Therefore, New Testament prophets error. And I would strongly disagree with that conclusion because Agabus did not err. There's nothing in scripture that would allude to that or draw that conclusion that he erred, that he missed it. He said, thus saith the Holy Spirit. He spoke with the authority as the same the, as the same as the Old Testament prophets did, saying, thus saith the Lord. And no one is saying, stone these prophets, stone these false prophets. no. Repent, that's the call. Repent and stop doing this because you are being irreverent to God, you're disparaging the name of God, you're bringing reproach on the name of Christ, and you're deceiving people. You're deceiving people. Scripture supports this belief about people, God giving people over to a strong delusion, to, and this is mentioned in Thessalonians, um, that, that people are going to be deceived, if it's possible, even the elect, by false signs and wonders. Uh, there's going to be people that claim to be prophets right now and to do these miraculous things and to speak on behalf of God. And frankly, I think God gives people over. Um, I, I believe that God gives people over to what they desire. And I, I don't say that in a flippant way. I say that as someone who was in this. And I believe that God gives people over to it because that's what they desire. And when our desires change, meaning by the power of God and our hearts are changed and we're brought to repentance and, and, and trust in Christ to be cleansed of our sin and our, and our unrighteousness, then our desire changes. And one of those desires that changes is that we turn from these ways, these deceptive ways. So I wanted to say that um, in just listening to what little bit he said 
I just wanted to address that because there are these things that are thrown out there to say that. And again, I, I believe because of what has been perpetuated for years and saying that Kat Kerr and Robin Bullock and, and Julie Green are almost making them look like they're fringe, they're not. And they are saying some extreme stuff, but a lot of these other people that are in this movement have said extreme stuff. A lot of the prophetic things that have been stated, Chuck Pierce has said stuff that's what that's outrageous. I mean, the stuff that takes place. Uh, him talking, I've heard him talk about in one prophetic word about the different flavors of ice cream and that people were going to like different flavors of ice cream. Him going to the border and using a tuning fork to to tune the border. And to open uh, the heavenly portals and to basically plead the blood and do all of these wild things. This is not fringe movement, y'all. This is, this is mainstream in this stuff. I mean, this is, and there are charismatics that will renounce this. They will not be part of this, but they're not, they're on the outskirts of this. This is becoming more and more prevalent in this. And and some people may not even be realizing that they're listening to people and following people that do such outlandish things and outrageous things and, and claim extreme things. Brian Simmons just claimed the other day that there was a clock that was moving ahead as he was ministering, and somebody took a video of that. That'd be an interesting topic to cover, because I'm sure that there are electronic ways that that can be um, finagled, and even you can hear him in the background saying, oh, there's nobody, there's no man behind the curtain. I'm sorry, but if you have to make a comment like that, then that's suspect. I mean, wh- why are people not... Uh, being in awe of God, that these signs and wonders should be pointing back to God. I mean, this is just a side note, aside from the prophetic. But do you see what I'm getting at here? These things should be glorifying Christ. And instead, they're pointing to a man. People are now in awe of Brian Simmons because a, a, a silly clock on a wall was moving forward and somebody caught it on video. How does that glorify Christ? These prophecies that people allege and these, these trips to heaven and Jello land and Christmas town and, and saying all these outlandish things and doing it in the name of politics many times too. I mean, there's, there's lots of moving parts to this. Who does that glorify? This isn't glorifying God. And if anything, this is bringing reproach on the name of Christ. And so I just, uh, I just want to bring that up because I think that that is something that's kind of glossed over and it's lost in all of this. They're trying to play like a cleanup on aisle five with some of this stuff. And Bill Johnson even making that comment too, that reminds me of the, the statement that he made about the, the prophetic, the BSSM students, that they actually encourage them to falsely prophesy I mean, that's not what he said verbatim, but that's what he's implying. He's, sa- he's saying we, we b- basically make it mandatory that our students have to um, miss it at least three times or they don't get to go to the next year, to the second year or third year, because he wants to create a safe environment to where they can um, make mistakes and it, and it can be addressed in a safe place. Well, how about teaching what the Bible says about prophecy and being content with Christ, who is our prophet, priest, and king? I mean, how about teaching that? And then we won't have to have messes cleaned up. I mean, I know that's a novel approach probably, but why not do that? Why not be content with the sufficiency of Scripture and teaching people how to live a godly life and to prophesy the Word of God, meaning the scripture, preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, which is prophecy. Why not be content with that? And then you won't have to worry about cleaning up these messes. 
And another thing to point out, he said that Chris Valentin was was sweating bullets during this when he when he said that God allegedly told him to say this to these people, and he's actually questioning God and saying and even telling him, "I can't do that." Well, this is a problem because. If you are saying that God speaks to you and you're a prophet, why are you sweating bullets? Why are you saying, God, I can't say this? Why? If you know that you're hearing from God, I don't understand why you can't say that. That just seems weird to me. That that seems to negate their whole thing of being confident in the Lord and taking risks. And it also tries to circumvent God's sovereignty, which we know is not possible. But I think you get my point. I don't understand why he can't say it to those people. Do you, do you see the, again, the disconnect with this? There's these elaborate stories in, in, in the, the message that Bill Johnson preached. Much of it was personal anecdotal stories. Very little scripture, very much on personal experience. So we can kind of see what takes precedent in, in the sermon there. It's all about your experience. And scripture has very little, very little authority. The optics, it would seem, is that scripture is used to validate the personal experiences. And we just know that that's not the case. And then this whole thing of that there are some things in your life that won't take place unless you speak it out of your mouth says no scripture, says no Bible verse whatsoever. Because that is basically making it to where that God is reliant on you. That is a man-centered doctrine. Because God's not dependent on us to do things in this world. He doesn't need us declaring anything. We are not the gate through which it has to go before something can come to pass. God is surely the arbiter of his own decrees and his own will coming to pass. And so Chris Valentin alleging that God told him that if he didn't say it out of his mouth, that that child would not be born or even conceived. I'm sorry, but that puts God at the mercy of Chris Valentin. And I do not believe in a God that is at the mercy of any created human being, any created creature whatsoever. And in the prophetic, again, there's just ma- massive messes that have been made all over the aisles. And so there's this cleanup that's trying to take place. And I think it's too little too late. Cleanup needs to be, let's get back to the word of God. Let's get back to the sufficiency of scripture. You have that senior leader from Bethel Austin that's telling people that, oh, we just love practice prophesying. You don't see that in the Bible. That's not in there. You don't activate people to prophesy. You don't teach people to prophesy. You don't teach people how to hear the voice of God. And this is coming from someone, again, who was was in the thick of believing those things and teaching people those other things in the local church. It's not in Scripture. And we're teaching people how to hear their thoughts in their own head and ascribe them to God. And we're teaching people they can be prophets and that it's okay to miss it. Because that's just part of practicing. That's part of you getting to be the vocation of a prophet. A prophet, is it's not a vocation that you're learning. It's not going to a school to learn how to do it. When God speaks, it's authoritative and it's inerrant. And what about Jenny Weaver? Uh, just the clips that you heard of her saying what she did, and it was vague. It was extremely vague. And she's borrowing John's language from the book of Revelation. She's alleging the Lord told her. And you know what? I- I'll tell you this, you may not be aware of this, but Charisma actually featured that video on their website. 
and calling it prophecy. They say it was on here on June 26th of this year, seven prophetic truths for spiritual readiness. And they have a link to it. Urgent words, seek like never before, prophetic word for the body. And saying that she released a powerful and urgent prophetic word for her fellow believers. And, and even she goes on in, in parts of it to say I'm about not being churchy. And she said, I'm, I just don't have time to elaborate on that. Y'all will just have to figure that out for yourselves. And then making distinctions, making these classes of people. Well, this is for those that are not, not going to be lukewarm and they're going to come up higher and they're going to tap into this higher dimension of seeing and hearing from God. This is Gnosticism is what this is. And it's heretical. It's a heretical teaching that the early church rebuked and they rejected. And I would encourage you to do some studying on Gnosticism. And to say that we need to go to higher dimensions and we need, we need to understand, we need to come up higher and we need to understand what God has for us to do. He's already told us in his word what he, we are to do. What about the fact that she said those who will hear the prophetic word are those who are positioned in Christ? Does that mean that true believers are the only ones that will listen to her? So am I not a true believer because I reject her word? Because I don't need it. I have scripture. And I believe what she's doing is Gnosticism, and I reject it. Has the mind of God not already been revealed by Scripture and by Jesus Christ? I mean, she said through her word that the mind of God was being revealed, that Christ was being revealed again. What in the world? Scripture has revealed Christ. Christ himself has come. He is now our prophet, priest, and king. There's no need for new revelation. None. And so I would like to ask Steve Strang, I understand, point taken, I understand that there are concerns with people like Kat Kerr, Robin Bullock, Julie Green, many others. Are they going to address this? Because she's claiming that, God, that the Lord told her. So is it okay for us to test what Jenny Weaver's saying? Is it okay for us to question her and say, yeah, God didn't say that. And we don't need your word because we have revelation. You don't need to be weaving in John's revelation with what you're saying God told you that's for this hour and that people need to hear it. God has already revealed in his word what we need to hear and what instruction we need. And so if we don't listen to Jenny Weaver, are we disobeying God? Does she view her prophecy as practicing prophecy? Does she view this prophetic word as fallible? Because if she doesn't, then that's a whole other issue because the the argument that I would have, and it seems confusing from these people because they want to speak out of both sides of their mouth, and I get it. I was the same way. But they want to speak out of both sides of their mouth. They want to claim that they are speaking on behalf of God and they hear the voice of God, but they also want to say, well, I could be wrong and I could miss it. Well, you can't. You can't have your cake and eat it too, because the prophets in scripture, when you even look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's not the way they worked. And they were detailed in what they said. I mean, we can look at the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. There were details that that Isaiah gave about the Messiah. There were things in the book of Psalms. It's all over the Old Testament. Details, even down to Judas receiving 30 pieces of silver. And then we're going to say that God is speaking today under a better covenant, and what we're getting is prophecy bingo. We're getting a breakthrough. We're getting shifting. There's a rumbling. There's a, a twirling. There's a swirling. There's a shaking. There's a quaking. That, that's what we're getting today. 
and that you need to come up higher and that you need to get to that next dimension that God wants to show you what's to come and uh, that you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> that is not prophecy. I could get more detailed stuff out of opening a fortune cookie at Panda Express than I could from the things. And, and I'm even, I'm judging my own self because of the things that I wrote, but this is on charisma. Her videos on charisma. So, is there not a concern with this? I mean, you can go on Charisma News or Charisma Magazine, and you can find a gamut of people that are saying prophetic insight, prophetic vision, prophecy, thus saith the Lord. I heard the Lord say, God told me this. This is a prophetic statement, a prophetic warning, and Charisma's labeling it this way. Is this true prophecy? Are we allowed to judge it and test it and to tell you it's false? Or are we going to be told that we have a religious spirit? Another thing too, uh, Charisma News also shared, and I critiqued this early on this year about the top prophetic voices share what's coming in 2023. I mean, Chuck Pierce is listed on here uh, saying that God has given us authority and has put us in strategic places that give us access to everything we need. But he says we must think like Joseph in the Bible so we may survive in the lean times and giving us practical tips on preparing for this next season. Are practical tips prophecy? I mean, there's other people when you go down through in this video, as I did, as I said, I covered this before earlier in the year, but they shared about these prophetic words about preparing and what's coming in 2023. But when you read through them, they're not detailed. When you listen to them, they're not detailed. They're generic. They're vague. They're fortune cookie prophecies. As Doug and Holly have talked about in their book, Counterfeit Kingdom, and I think that that's very appropriate. That's one of the terms they use, and I agree with it. I mean, did... Do, do they take issue with this in Charisma? Um, what about, I, I went on Charisma and I was shocked. I had forgotten how many words Charisma had shared of mine in the years past when I was part of this movement. Um, do you realize that I have 40 words, 40 quote prophetic words on Charisma's website. That's just on Charisma. That's not even on Charisma News. I don't know if there could be more or they sometimes they overlap. But I had 40 prophetic words that were on Charisma's site. And here's some of them. The title, Prophecy, The Drought is Over. Prophecy, A Transformational Oil Spill is Coming. A Prophetic Vision, The Holy Spirit Ember Attack. Uh, prophetic Scribes, You Are Arrows in the Quiver of the Lord. Uh, generational Giant Slayers, Taking Up the Caleb Anointing. Prophetic Word, The Lord Says. I Am Looking for Lingers. The Lord Says. When anybody says, The Lord Says... When anybody says the Lord says, there is authoritative meaning behind that. And you are saying that God himself said it. And based on what scripture says and testing these things, this is unbiblical talk that I even engaged in. This is unbiblical. And I'm ascribing things to God. I cannot verify that he said, and I even twisted scripture out of context not, not meaning to, I was sincere. I was sincerely committing error when I, when I wrote these, acting in such a way that I was, I was engaging in Gnosticism without realizing it, engaging in, in Gnostic beliefs, engaging in Gnostic behavior, in hearing this second, this secret hidden knowledge, the secret counsel, you know what Jenny was talking about, the secret counsel. This is egregious behavior requires repentance and it requires a response of contrition and brokenness before God and acknowledging that it's sin and it's error. 
because this is on par with scripture. Whenever someone claims that God told them, then they're placing their words on par with scripture. And if they don't believe that, then I would like for them to explain that thoroughly using scripture why that's not the case. And I understand that there's going to be people saying, well, there were prophets that, that, uh, that, the, that were around true prophets, that their words were not uh, found in scripture, and, and yet you know, we don't have them recorded. So what? God sovereignly decided what would be in the canon of scripture and what would not be. And this is what we have. This is what I go back to as my final authority and the foundation upon which I stand. And I'm content with that. Are others like Marillo and Strang and others, are they going to address the fact that Bill Johnson has teachings that he's, he's saying from a public platform and they endorse his books and they invite him to partner with them, I'm sure? Are they going to address the fact that he instructs his students to falsely prophesy, in fact, making it mandatory? Are these other leaders going to be addressed and rebuked for what they're saying and corrected? And by the way, rebuke is not hating on somebody. Rebuke actually involves loving someone enough to, to tell them the truth. Correction and rebuke involves love. And if it doesn't involve love and all we want to do is correct people all the time, then we're not ultimately glorifying God and we're not testifying of God. But true rebuke and correction for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the truth of Scripture is going to be cemented in love for that person. Also, above all, love for God, but a love for that person that you don't want to see them continuing to walk in sin and error. So is anybody going to address Bill Johnson? Any of these leaders? Are they going to address him and say, this is unbiblical teaching what you're doing and you need to stop or we're not going to associate with you any longer. Again, this is not fringe that they're dealing with, with Marillo and Strang. This is mainstream stuff. And yes, those people seem extreme, but this stuff goes on all the time. And people are constantly, uh, they're looking for new prophetic voices. These outlets are looking for new prophetic voices to endorse and to continue to promote and these things are perpetuated. This is not fringe teaching. And that's, that's the problem. And ultimately, people are just craving to have some greater experience outside themselves and to know that they matter to God and they're important to God and that they hear the voice of God and that they can speak with authority and speak with power and do all of these things because it becomes man-centered and not God-centered or gospel-centered and not being content in the sufficiency of scripture and content in the sufficiency of the gospel, which is prophecy and which is to be proclaimed and to be forth-told. That's an element of prophecy is forthtelling. And forthtelling is the gospel. <laughs> so, you know, it all it all goes back to well, you just don't believe in the gift of prophecy. Well, it depends on what you mean by the gift of prophecy. What do you mean by that? Because you and I may not have the same understanding of what that is. And my understanding has completely changed now that I actually continue to go into Scripture and look and see what, what the Word has to say instead of listening to, um, you know, my own personal thoughts or listening to training for years and years and years about hearing the voice of God for myself and, and hearing what the prophetic was and what it wasn't and basically downplaying anybody that brought questions to it and saying that they had a critical spirit and they were a Pharisee and they were religious. 
I want you to listen to this uh, this teaching that I found online from Vody Bauckham when he talks about beware of false prophets, and he's going to mention some of the same passages that um, Mario Murillo mentioned. But I'm going to play a couple of clips here to to give you some something to think about. Uh, to end our time today. And I think it's really good to ponder on because he brings up some really good points. No, Jesus says, you need to beware. You need to be on the lookout because these individuals will dress themselves in the uniform of my sheep. They will hide who they truly are. They will learn to use narrow gate language. They will learn to emulate hard road living. They will learn to masquerade as small crowd people. And they will learn to trick you into thinking that they are on the road that leads to life. And yet, they are false prophets. Here's why it's difficult for us to identify false prophets. Number one because of biblical and theological illiteracy. That's our first problem. Biblical and theological illiteracy. That makes it difficult to identify false prophets. If we don't know the Bible, if we don't know doctrine, if we don't know theology, it is virtually impossible for us to identify false prophets. That's also, by the way, why we're allergic to those who identify false prophets. We're allergic to it. We really are. We don't like it. It makes us uncomfortable. Somebody's identifying an individual as a false prophet, and we just kind of go, well, no, that person's not a false prophet because they actually stand up and they use Bible verses. And, of course, if it was a false prophet, they would stand up and use, what, the Bhagavad Gita, do you think? You think that would be a successful false prophet if he stood up and didn't use Bible verses? No. Of course they use Bible verses. Of course they use narrow gate language of course they do and what they do is prey on individuals who are biblically and theologically illiterate secondly it's difficult because of the prevalence of ecumenism now i want you to listen to this last clip from vody bauckham it's going to be several minutes long it's really good i encourage you to really listen to it and consider what he's saying because i just found this very helpful and very insightful and thought-provoking Examine the fruit. That's our responsibility as believers. Examine the fruit. Here's what I want you to see. The first fruit is bad teaching. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, I just had to read this for you. Listen to this, Deuteronomy chapter 18, 20 through 22. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken. By the way, as New Testament believers, we have an advantage over those to whom Moses was speaking. The advantage that we have is we have God's word. So God, who in times past spoke to the prophets and the fathers in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son through whom he made the world. So understand this, so we're reading here in Deuteronomy individuals who did not have a completed canon. We, however, do have a completed canon. So we have a different set of criteria. So as I read this, and I'll explain that more in a moment, but listen to this. How, how do we know? How are you going to know that this person hasn't spoken from me? 
When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You need not fear him. Does what he say come to pass? That's the test Moses gives the people of Israel. Moses says, hey, if you're wondering whether someone is a false prophet or not, it's very easy. You just ask yourself this question. Did what they said was going to come to pass actually come to pass? But remember, I just told you, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that's no longer our test. Our test is, does what he said come from and line up with the Bible? Amen. See, our Bibles are bound in leather, not three-ring binders, folks. And that's for a reason. We are not in the process of getting continued revelation from God. So the first sign of a false prophet is, he speaks things as though they are from God, but they're not found in God's Word. He speaks things as though they are from God, but they are not found in God's Word. We've talked about this before, but I have to take a moment to do it again. I beseech you, I've begged you before from this very spot, but I'm going to beg you again from this very spot to be very careful and to stop using language like God said, God told me, and God spoke to me. Don't talk like that. That's heretical language, people. Because when you use words like said, spoke, and told, you are referring to audible speech and you are equating whatever comes after that with what we have in the Word of God. And that's heresy. Now, what we usually mean is God enlightened me. God brought something to my understanding. God impressed upon me. You, use those words all you want, but do not say, God said, God told me, or God spoke to me, because if you do, you are out of line theologically. That is unbiblical speech, because God does not say, God does not speak, God does not tell in those terms anymore. Not because I say so, but because the Bible says so. We have a closed canon. So one of the ways that you know that someone is potentially a ravenous wolf, again, there are individuals who just speak these kind of things and they don't mean it. It just sort of comes out because we're so used to hearing it in our culture. And we'll say things like, God told me this, God said that, God spoke this, and we'll say it. And that's not what we mean. That's not what I'm talking about. That's somebody who just needs to be corrected. And you and I both, all of us in this room, are more than likely guilty of having been loose with our speech in that way before. We did not mean, I am speaking to you with the same authority as Moses or Paul or Jesus. That's not what we meant. We were just loose with our speech. We adopted a bad habit from our culture, and that's not what we meant. But there are individuals in our culture who say those things and mean them. They're false prophets. As I sit and listen to that teaching from Vody, I can't help but to be thankful to God for His grace and His mercy that He extended to me that I truly did not deserve. And when I say things and even address these specific people and play clips from specific individuals, I don't want to do it in such a way of saying, well, look how right I am now and look how wrong you are. 
Rather, it comes from the broken, a, a place of understanding the egregious behavior that I participated in. And, and having, yes, a righteous indignation towards that behavior that continues to go on today in the name of Christ and not having the rever- while lacking the reverence um, for God and being very lackadaisical with the use of His name in ascribing words to Him that He did not say. It is in the hope that people will repent of these same practices and turn back to the sufficiency of Scripture and turn back to the true gospel. Because there's such deception that goes on with these teachings. And there are some people that are sincere and they're just, they're sincerely in error. And even in that, being in sincere but sincere error, that's still sin. And then there are some people that are ravenous wolves. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly, and God is the one that knows their hearts, and He knows the, the, the hidden intents that they have, the impure motives. He knows the thoughts of, and, and the hearts of every human being. Nothing is hidden from Him. So there are people that are sincere, but in an error, and they need to be taught and to be instructed in the truth. And then there are people that are the ravenous wolves. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, and they know what they're doing, and they don't care. They're doing it out of greed. They're doing it out of their own shameful gain. And I do not envy those people at all, because there is an accountability and a judgment that will come with that should they refuse to repent and, and to turn away from these false teachings and these practices. I will be leaving some links in the description below to a couple of podcast episodes, one dealing with Agabus and another one that is pertaining to the earlier prophetic words in 2023. And hopefully that'll give some more uh, food for thought and some insight into those areas. And I'll also try to provide some links to some things that may help and that will expound uh, on a biblical understanding of the prophetic. So I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And I look forward to being on here with you again as we tackle another topic. But until that time comes again, my friends, be blessed today by the truth of God's more sure word of prophecy. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me at dawn at lovesubscribe.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll even share it with others who may benefit from the information provided. If you also like reading, you can subscribe to my blog at lovesubscribe.com, where I release weekly blogs that correlate with the podcast episodes. I've enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to our next time together as we dive into biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.